Hey, Jules. Yes, Ryan. You watch a lot of television, don't you? Oh, I suppose you'd call it a lot. I don't know, eight to 12 hours a day. That seems like a lot of TV. Now, do you watch this on your computer? Hell no, Ryan. Good TV you need to watch on a beautiful, big, shiny screen while you're in your recliner rocker with your bar fridge next to you. You must be spending a lot of money on cable channels then, hey? I am, Ryan. It's a long way to get those optic fibers down here in Australia. <laughs> Let me tell you of a, a little something that you could do. Probably save yourself a whole lot of money, Jules. It's called Amazon Fire TV. <gasps> tell me more. Amazon Fire TV is a little tiny set-top box. We call it set-top. It doesn't actually go on top of your TV anymore, Jules. It's about the size of two DVDs stacked on top of each other. DVDs, that's what we used in the old days. You're not going to need those anymore, not with Fire TV, Jules. You're going to put this thing, you're going to connect it to your TV. Do you know what an HDMI cable is, Jules? I certainly do, Ryan. Do you know what a power cable is, Jules? Yes, Ryan. Well, you're done. You hook that up to your TV, you move on with your life. You know what you're going to get? You're going to get your Netflix. You're going to get your Hulu Plus. You're going to get your Amazon Instant Video. You can get your Showtime. You can get your ESPN, Crackle, Bloomberg TV. All of, you name it. If it's streaming, you can get it on your Amazon Fire TV. And I can watch all those on my television and not have to sit huddled over my laptop? No huddling over no laptop. And if you go to our site at chivichinwag.com forward slash fire, click on the link right there. You're going to get a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime. Do you know what that is, Jules? It has lots of amazing shows, doesn't it? It has tons of amazing television shows. has tons of amazing movies. Uh, you're going to get access to HBO content. You can't do that without getting your HBO Go. You come to Amazon Prime, you order that, you're going to get your HBO. You can watch your Sopranos, your Deadwoods. You could watch your uh, Game of Throneses. You could watch your The Wireses. That's some excellent television viewing there, Ryan. And I could even have friends around to watch it with me if it's on my TV. Well, yeah, if you had friends, you could have them over to do that. Now, if you have ever used Netflix, if you have ever used Hulu, if you've ever used Amazon on your television, what's the number one thing that's a pain in the ass? Type out the name of the show I'm looking for. Well, you don't have to with Amazon Fire TV. You know why? You can use your voice, your sexy, <gasps> sultry voice to... Order up whatever it is you're looking for. You're looking for an actor, you just press the button on the remote, you say the actor's name, boom, it comes up. Peter It'll tell Dinklage. You if it's... Peter Dinklage. Peter That's Dinklage. Right. Everybody loves Dinklage. It'll tell you if it's on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, and boom, you're there. It's easy. So it makes it a lot easier to interact with your television, get all these shows coming. I don't know why people are paying for cable anymore. Get your Fire TV. Go to tvchinwag.com forward slash fire and order it today. $99. It's going to give you 30-day free trial to Amazon Prime. That in itself is worth, you know, some decent money. So It's a tiny box, but it's hugely entertaining. to TV Chinwag. In last week's episode, Ryan admitted that after four seasons of Game of Thrones, he is doubting that they will ever have a toilet-based card mechanism. And Jewel shared some interesting facts about Carrie Fisher, a lawn chair, and an industrial lubricant called Speed Ease. But this week, we won't talk about any of that. It's time for an all-new TV Chinwag. Here is Ryan and Jules. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of TV Chinwag. This will be episode 8. 
and we will bring it through to you through sleet, snow, and terrible internet connections. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is the woman who puts the word super in super wiki, my co-host, Jules. <laughs> Flattery will get you probably no further than usual. Um, <laughs> hello, Ryan. Yes, we've had all sorts of problems with the interwebs between Australia and Canada. It, um, it must be all that screaming about World Cup stuff that I don't care about. Anyway, very exciting today, Ryan, because I have someone with me. What? Who do you have with you today? We have a gate crasher. I mean, a guest on uh, TV Chinwag. I'm very, very pleased to introduce the absolutely gorgeous Amy, who I co-host another podcast with called Women of Letters. And Amy is down from Sydney. And we're here in our pyjamas podcasting. Hi, Amy. Hi, Jules. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Amy. Congratulations. Yay. Are you our number one guest on TV Chinwag? Woohoo! <laughs> You're the best guest we've ever had. Thank you. I'll try and live up to that. <laughs> and Jules, Jules has told you the rules of guesting, right? Which is that you will be taking care of everything and we'll just sit back and listen? Uh, no. Jules, we've talked about this. I thought we it need was... other people to do all the work for us. I thought it was better to spring it on her. <laughs> She's quick on her feet, I hope. And in the uh, um, honour of having Amy, we're having champagne for breakfast, so uh, it's going to be a good podcast today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that may become the de facto standard after this episode. Quite, quite possibly. Of course, Ryan is having a cup of Earl Grey tea there in the afternoon in Vancouver, I believe. Uh, it's not Earl Grey tea, it's beer. <laughs> is it a local <laughs> local brew, Ryan? It is, actually, and this one's called Gypsy Tears Ruby Ale. Oh. Jules, I know you can see that on the video, and our friends at home can't. But oh, very it's got sexy. a very voluptuous-looking um, lady on the bottle. That's lovely. Maybe we could get some beer sponsorship. Sounds good to me. We could drink a different low of Vancouver or Australian beer every week during the podcast. Right. Maybe that's what the TV chinwag is. It's the chinwagging for drinking all the beers. <laughs> We're gonna monetize. We can switch it up. We're gonna monetize yeah. this bitch if it kills us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching some Mark Marin. <laughs> uh huh. And we're, we, that's coming up in, oh, I don't know, a few weeks that we're going to talk about that. Um, had you seen it before? No, I hadn't listened to the uh, Mark Maron's podcast or seen it. And I have to say, um, yet again, you were on the money, Ryan. I've been totally sucked into the world of Mark Maron. And I do believe he is my spirit animal. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's, well, I can't wait till we do that episode. That'll be fun. <laughs> Um, but so if people haven't uh, either listened to his podcast or particularly watched uh, his TV show, check it out so you um, have a bit of an idea what we're talking about in a few weeks' time. Or don't, and just listen to us talk about him. To decide if you're going to enjoy it or not. Yes. I know that we've got a few people turned on to... Well, a few people turned on. I mean, Jules, <laughs> come on, right? Yeah. A well, that's people turned high, five, on to... high five, Ryan. <laughs> A few people turned on to different shows that we've uh, we've suggested, which is awesome. Super excited about that because that's really what this is all about. It's about getting people to watch quality entertainment if we can, because the more people that watch the quality stuff, 
the crappy stuff goes away, right? <laughs> yes. Jules? Isn't that how that works? Uh, uh, they, that's exactly how television works, I think, Ryan. Uh, I know Probably. Amy's been... I, I don't know if we can claim turning Amy on to... <laughs> to it but I know Amy's been watching Penny Dreadful I have been watching Penny Dreadful I've watched Penny Dreadful because it only had eight episodes and I I loved it I know Jules wasn't particularly taken by it but um I I thoroughly enjoyed it and I can't wait for so now you've you've watched all the episodes then at this point yes I have yeah. Oh, interesting. I've seen it all. Um, I, I keep meaning to get back to it. I did enjoy it as well, Amy. I, I thought it was good. For some reason, like many other shows, I just stopped watching. Yeah, but you only um, watched but I'm two. Gonna get... You only watched two episodes, didn't you? No, I watched four, oh, five. Okay. Yeah, I got up to about yeah. six. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a more chance. I mean, we like we talked about it. I think we said in our review the first time. There's some good actors, there's some good script and interesting ideas, so why not? I think it'll be one to um, see how it goes into season two as well. I think uh, eight, eight episodes is a short season, even in these days of television, and I do think it was still um, finding its feet with the overall format of it uh, in particular. There are quite a few yeah. sort of standalone or character-centric episodes which then sort of left the the main story hanging a bit and it, it um, sort of seesawed back from uh, one to the other. And I, I, I think it will be a show that if it's going to really finds it, its feet and possibly a good story editor in um, season two. I have to say it's one of the first shows in a long time that has surprised me a couple of times where I've gone, oh, oh to, so did not see that coming, which doesn't happen <laughs> very often these days. And, and it happened a couple of times in Penny Dreadful and uh, happened in the season finale too. And the way it ended, I was like, oh, okay, I did not see that at all. So, I've, you know, it's very rare, I think, to be totally surprised by a story these days. So even on that level, I thoroughly enjoyed just not knowing where it was going to take me every week. And that's enough. I mean, that's enough to keep a show going. As long as it keeps surprising you and it stays fresh, then people will keep watching, right? Yeah, right. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right, True Blood? <laughs> oh, now, have any of us watched the any yes. of this season of oh, True Blood? I you know, like, I have been complaining about it since season four, I think. So I watch it full <laughs> of anger and rage. But I, I feel like I just need to see it through to the end, which, thank God, is this season. But, yes, I've watched the first two episodes and they are you know it's, it's like they throw as much as they can at the wall and no one's talking to each other when they write it and there's a thousand characters you don't give a shit about and yeah so I have been watching yeah <laughs> see I watch it that, and I that's, complain I feel like I took the brave way out by just dumping it I think in fifth season fifth maybe mm, I, is I, that I, when Tara became a vampire yeah yeah that's sort of when I stopped watching. Yeah, that was that was a very um, smart life choice, I it think, was, Ryan. It was, it was. Uh, and yeah. I, I admire your wisdom in doing that. I'm, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear I'm not missing out on anything. That's actually was going to be my question. No, I'm not missing anything, no. but no, it turns out no. You're not, and I, I honestly think they've started to read fan fiction as well. If if the beginning of this week's episode was anything to go. Oh, that's by. the only thing I've watched. It was when um, <laughs> Jason and Eric have have hot sex. That was. That's the it's only like, thing. Wait a minute. Have they been reading fan fiction? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> well, are we did should... they really do it? Yeah. And apparently Ryan Quanton, who plays Jason Stackhouse, has been asking for ages to do a hot sex scene with um, Asgard. Oh. So, um, who is about two uh, feet taller than him. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say I really blame him. <laughs> exactly. I think you need to. I'll send you the link just to that clip, Ryan, because it's yeah. worth it just okay. for that. Where... What about Tara? Does she have any sex scenes? No, but oh, do, do you really want to know what about Tara? Is it spoiler? Yeah, I her? like her. I think um, she's great. She died in the first episode of season two. We think. <laughs> of season two? Of season, sorry, season. What are we in? Seven. See, I wish it finished Seven? season two. That was me. That was just Freudian. Um, yeah, she oh. died like off screen, so she may well not be dead, though her guts were sort of exploded. She's died like three times, right? Yeah, yeah. Her guts yeah, were exploded let's... all over her mother, but maybe it weren't her guts. I don't know. Who knows? I have a feeling right. she'll be back, but at the moment, anyways, she's I like not I like I like that character. I like that actress. And if it was just her show, I might watch. Oh, well, let's hope she gets a, a gig on something good. Do you have any? Do you have aside from uh, us bitching about True Blood? Do you have any news for us, Ryan? I do. Sad news, unfortunately, Jules. After six long decades, TV Guide Canada has decided to come to an end. No. So the TV. Yes, I know. It's so sad. Um, you must remember this from when you were a girl, and it started, Jules. Yeah. Yes, um, when I was being raised by um, uh, sea otters in Canada. We, we, in Canada, right? Yes. When yes. you were living up in the high Arctic. Yes, we used we right. used to get the TV guide floated out to us. Uh-huh. Oh, good times, right? So, was it a part of your childhood and your life, Ryan? Did you have you got sure, any back I mean, issues? Like, TV guide was always one of those mainstays, you know, and there's those creepy collectors out there that have collected every issue that they ever put out and. You know, it's um, we had them in our house rarely, and uh, to be honest with you, it wasn't a common occurrence. We had six channels or five channels or whatever it was back then, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, but it's it's kind of sad to see that institution, especially in this day and age, because there's no reason, and I hope we're living proof that TV-based entertainment can't survive, because. Um, you know, they always had a, a good quality product. Now, they, they stopped doing the paper version of it years ago, 10 years ago or something. But now it's finally come to an end where they don't do their editorials and the website and the electronic publishing. Oh, stuff. wow. So, well, that's, that uh, is surprising. I would have thought, um, you know, not having a web-based presence, that's a big thing. Who's it owned by? Is it owned by a bigger media conglomerate or...? Well, it's owned by Transcon, a company right now, um, but back then it was its own entity. Um, it, you know, it was always published with a bunch of Canadian magazines sort of thing um, from a company called Telemedia, but it's... Uh, it, anyways, this really is not going to make much of a difference, I don't think, but... But is there End any, of an era, anyways. Are there any other Canadian-specific websites covering TV? Uh, there's a lot of them out there. Um, I don't think that they're really going to take the place of TV Guide. Um, TV Guide always had the inside scoop. They were the entertainment tonight of of print media, I guess, where they would get the good stories and the good interviews and things like that. It, to me, honestly, surprising that they couldn't make a go of it in the digital age because it seems like the landscape would actually be a lot easier for them to navigate yeah. than having to do it through print. But... That all comes down to management and 
who decides what to do and how it runs. So it's a bit sad. Oh, we'll have a moment's silence for TV Guide Canada. I think we still in Australia have the good old print version of TV Week, don't we, Amy? We do have that. Which, uh, I should say, Amy works for one of the networks here in Australia, which has a close relationship with our our TV Week magazine. Extremely close relationship. (laughs) And one lands on my desk every day, every week, and I give it to my mum, who loves me for it. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Does it actually have words in it? It's mainly pictures and short sentences. Yeah, it's pictures and yeah i flick through it i must admit I think a- advertorial is sort of the word for it's, its content it's pu- yes it's publicity based let's say that but um, <laughs> <laughs> for all networks though but, uh, yeah we have one like that it's called tv weekly well, yeah. it might be called tv week actually it's called tv uh, uh anyways yeah it's not not one i've read for many years but i do remember reading it as a kid um, on to some other news. Now, we've talked, uh, it was a few weeks ago, I think, Ryan, we were talking about The Killing, which is coming back onto Netflix. Uh, and yeah, we were, August yeah, 1st, countdown. Yay! Um, we were very excited. This is a show that's been uh, cancelled twice and uh, now resurrected again on Netflix. And another show which has had a similarly... Um, dodgy history over the past couple of years is taking a similar route and that's Community uh, which was uh, sacked at showrunner famously, uh, Dan Harmon brought him back, show got cancelled and now the show's coming back on that streaming site everyone watches, Yahoo! (laughs) Wow! This must be Yahoo's biggest day Um, Uh, I guess my, my first question is how is Yahoo still around? Go. Because I still have an email account with them. I think I'm I'm the only one keeping it going. I think it's Australia that's only keeping it. It's, and it's only because of Yahoo Sirius that it's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, how's that for a deep poll? The, here's a little bit of Yahoo history. Yahoo was actually at the forefront of the streaming uh, sort of relationship between TV and online back in... Um, 2005, it streamed the pilot of a TV show called Supernatural a week before it aired on what was then the WB. And that was seen as, at the time, it was that was pretty out there, the fact that the, the show was available online before it was available on TV. That was unusual. Um, I don't think anyone's heard of Yahoo since about 19, 2005, as far as uh, a broadcaster goes, but I think... Uh, Possibly a clever move with Community because Community, although its uh, TV ratings have been nothing to talk about the last couple of years, it has a hugely strong online um, fandom and uh, profile. So they're probably exactly the people, Yahoo, want to let know that they're back in the business of TV. I don't know what else is on their schedule. I don't know if they're doing any other original content. The word is um, that... Uh, community will have the same budget that it had on um, the network so and they're doing a full season so we will wait and see Um, the meme for many years has been six seasons in a movie we'll just have to see if the movie eventuates maybe the new saying becomes two seasons and then on demand (laughs) (laughs) Um, interesting Uh, you know here's the problem or here's my concern is 
are we going to end up with 15 or 16 streaming media sites that we have to subscribe to monthly just to see all this crap? Well, I think that that will be interesting. And I think that, you know, some always banging on about them, you know, we're still at a stage where I think they're working out what the business model is going to work. Now, I mean, Netflix and places like Hulu have probably got that nailed down. I think Amazon uh, Prime is, is just sort of starting to work that out. But obviously we're not... Agreed on the Amazon Prime, Jules. And if our listeners would like, just head on over to tvjidweb.com forward slash fire and take advantage of our 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime, one of the greatest streaming services out there. It is because it's got all the back catalogue of all the HBO shows, which you can't Does get on all Netflix. all the HBO, yeah. So if you want to if you want to be the sort of person who can talk ad nauseum about the early days of The Wire and The Sopranos and uh, yeah. get, get your TV chinwag cred up because you can't be a TV aficionado if you haven't watched all of those shows and Deadwood. Um, and I True mean, Blood. And True, and true Blood because you do need a contrast in these things. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, Ryan. I mean, pe- it's one thing to say pay you $8, $9 a month for Netflix, but then if you start adding on all these other services, it suddenly... Yeah doesn't become viable for the consumers so whether they'll do it as a pay-per-view type model um or or what i don't know um i'm not that interested in seeing another season of community so i won't be signing up um i'm sure there's lots of people that are though i mean it was a popular show you know and one thing i would like to see on these shows is them giving those shows the freedom to do whatever they want i mean um, I, I really liked The Killing. I thought it was fantastic on AMC. I thought they really pushed the boundaries. But there were still boundaries. And it would yeah. be great to see these shows with these boundaries lifted and have the nudity and the swearing and the sex that maybe actually really belongs there that we just don't know it yet. So yes, fulfilling it's our, interesting. And, yes, and fulfilling, yeah, we'll see. fulfilling our criteria of boobs and violence on every show. Um, would and be and Holy Trinity. <laughs> What's the third one? Um, uh, so, uh, oh, violence, so, okay. sex, and, and swearing. Oh, swearing. Okay, I was yeah. uh, swearing. I, could, I don't care about so much. We get enough of that on Australian television. Um, yeah, Canadian television as well. Yeah, we actually <laughs> don't really bleep out much. Um, just some. Yeah, I've seen some American shows. They they bleep out goddamn. Oh, I know. T- seriously, <laughs> nipples and cursing. It's not going to bring down the Republic, people. Um, <laughs> happy 4th of July. Tell the um, Romans that. <laughs> That's what brought down Rome. A um, couple right. of other bits of news. Talking of Rome makes me think of Spartacus, which makes me think of stars. And big news this week is that a show or a, a project that's kicked around between film and a million networks is Neil Gaiman's American Gods. And it's now gone into development with stars with Brian Hannibal Fuller involved. Right. Um, which I think, and Neil Gaiman, the, the author, um, I'm quite excited by that. Uh, one, I think it's, it is a, it'll be a challenging project, but I think uh, Brian Fuller has the, certainly has the vision and the visual vision, which of course, because it, it, it is a graphic, it has been realised part of it as a graphic novel as well, I think um, will be uh, a person to bring 
Neil Gaiman's vision to the screen. It's stars, so I don't know how big the budget will be, but um, I'm, I'm excited to actually see whether it's good, bad or indifferent. It'll be exciting to see what they do with it. And obviously my co-hosts are terribly excited as well. <laughs> Yeah, okay, another bit of news that I'm the only one in the world ex uh, interested in <laughs> was the cancellation this week of Hieroglyphs by Fox. Fox, well known for wanting to cancel shows. It actually cancelled mm. this show after it had ordered a pilot and apparently ordered a, a season of it. Uh, this show was cancelled. Uh, my interest in it was that it was uh, headed by, in terms of uh, the creative, Travis Beecham, who was responsible for Pacific Rim. It was right. a, a bit of a... I think it would have fulfilled a few of our um, key criteria, Ryan, uh, with lots of sex and violence set in a ancient Egypt. But... Uh, but wasn't it, on the, wasn't it on the Fox network, or were they just producing it? No, it was going to be on the Fox... Well, it hasn't shown anywhere, but it was going to be on the Fox network. Well, and then there's not going to be any sex or swearing or anything like that, right? Well, there's not going to be anything of... There's not even going to be a pyramid in sight because they cancelled that, which is sort of sad. But it does release Travis back into the arms of Guillermo del Toro to work on the script for Pacific Rim 2. So I'm sort of happy with that. Again, one of the few people in this room who is. <laughs> love Pacific Rim, crazy. What's not to love? Giant monsters facing giant robot people. Exactly. Awesome. I liked Pacific Rim, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure that the writing was the strong part of that movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, too bad for that, I guess. So that's all the news I have this week, Ryan. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show? Ooh, this week we are going to be talking about, I don't know if they're the greatest thing that happened to television in the last 30 years or the worst thing that happened to television in the last 30 years, but we're going to be talking about reality TV shows. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know why it's spooky. No, I don't know why it's spooky either. Although you did mention, I think, last week, Ryan, that... Uh, it was one of your sort of darker, guiltier pleasures uh, that you don't really like reality TV, but you do watch a bit of it. I sure do. Like, I'm looking at our list of TV shows, Jules, and it's the list that we sort of created when we started doing TV Chinwag, which is, well, what do you watch? What do you watch? So I outputted my, uh, my sick beard uh, list of shows and found that majority of the shows I watch are quote-unquote reality shows, which shocked me because I've always been the person to say, I don't watch reality shows. <laughs> well, it turns out I watch more reality shows than scripted shows. Yet, and I catch myself doing this um, time and time again. You, you get home from work, you've had a rough day, you just want to sit down and watch something stupid, and you put on Pawn Stars or you put on a, you know, um, whatever the... the Mountain Catfish men. or whatever the shows. <laughs> sure. Just mindless crap that you can just watch, get a bit of a chuckle from, and then move on. You don't have to invest yourself. I mean, it's one thing to sit down and put on an episode of True Detective, but if you're not really in the mood for it, you're just going to miss out. You're not going to appreciate it. That's true. And that's I'm... sort of what I find with a lot of this stuff is it's just sort of filler, just to throw something on to get a, a kick out of it and move on. Amy, what's your history with uh, reality TV? I have, I would say I've dabbled in reality TV um, over the years. I've watched 
various um, shows, so whether they've been like um, sort of racing shows or I don't do the cooking shows or, or, you know, like things like the Osborne family one or the Hulk Hogan family one, all those kind of reality shows. I've watched on and off over the years, but they haven't really stuck and I pretty much only watch one reality show religiously, which is Survivor, which I've watched all 28 seasons of so far. Holy shit. I know, <laughs> right from the beginning. Um, I know, can you believe that? So many. Um, but yeah, the, the others, I, I sort of, I sometimes get invested in them and then I agree with you, they're, they're things you can dip in and dip out of very easily and, and in that way they can be quite good if you're just flicking through and you can watch a little you can even just watch a little bit and kind of enjoy it and move on but they're not something that I have found have stayed as as part of my viewing habits there's something that I visit for a while and then I tend to get a little bit tired of the people in them you know that you know I don't know they don't um they don't really thrill me a lot of the times the people in them except Survivor. See I'm sensing a little bit of <laughs> internalized reality tv shame here um because, I, I do, well, I, I will challenge you and say, I mean, you do go back to watch the same shows again, so you do become connected with them I do briefly. in some ways. I mean, you mightn't be staying up nights um, pondering the, you know, the metaphysics of, you know, swamp yard pig hunters, but, you know, <laughs> you, you do become connected, you know, as you do with a scripted drama, and I think that's been, I mean, we've got a... Reality TV now covers a huge range of genres. We've got the the game-based shows like Survivor, like Big Brother, like um, Amazing Race. Race. We've got the let's look at your lifestyle type shows of, you know, yes, pig hunters in the swamp or um, in strange bosses or uh, there's one about the oh, what is it the smelliest jobs or something. Um, <laughs> You've got your compet- other competition type shows like The Voice and So You Think You Can Dance and um, X Factor. Um, so, you know, it covers a broad range. Some almost... You, ver- you're going to have your, your scripted shows and, and they're scripted and then there's non-scripted. So there's reality as it unfolds if you want to get into things like a uh, one of the gold shows or one of the, um, the picker shows. Yeah. Uh, but then you get into scripted-based reality shows where they're going to throw situations at the people or even scenarios and see them sort of act them out. Um, so if you get into, like I mentioned, Pawn Stars or something like that, um, Comic Book Men is a fine example where you know they're sort of giving out, oh, this week you're going to do this crap or you're going to yeah. try to beat the competition or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, how so, do you guys? How do you feel about those? Because that's a bit of a contentious issue on whether that puts it into the reality t- TV or not. Um, look, I think I would think you'd be pretty naive to think any of these shows are documentaries in the tr- that true sense of you know the camera as the unengaged, you know, uninvolved observer. There are a few that are more like that. Um, but I don't. I don't really care as long as it's entertaining. I don't care whether it's, you know, scripted or semi-scripted or set up or, um, you know, whether Bear Grylls is really drinking his own urine or not. Is you know, I don't care. It's part of the fun is w- what I'm watching. Um, yeah, I don't think it matters either. And I and I think in, you know, you you watch these shows and you know that there's a whole camera crew 
And so when, they, when they're going, oh, you know, I could lose my life doing this, you're like, no, no, you couldn't because there's a whole bunch of guys ready to catch you if you, if you do tumble over that cliff. So, um, oh, except on Survivor Man where he, he films himself. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's got integrity. Well, so I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think the expectation, well, certainly not with me, is that reality TV is real and in a real sense of reality. Um, so it doesn't bother me that I feel like it's partially scripted or, or very manipulative, like say Survivor is, where you know they're you know pushing you to like certain characters and dislike certain characters for the storyline, and, and you know that they mm-hmm. drive it in that direction. I actually kind of enjoy that aspect of it. Um, I know what's happening to me, and I kind of like it and roll with it. Um, but yeah, I don't, it, that doesn't bother me, and I, I you know I I don't feel um, in, internal reality shame. It's just something that I I did go through a stage where I did watch quite a bit of it, and um, but it's just something that I kind of I don't I just sort of pass through, and I just don't can I just don't feel like I want to watch that kind of television that much anymore. Though every so often I do dip into things. There is one other show that I actually watch quite a bit, and that's Auction Hunters. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do like auction um, which is it's sort of that auction hunters is a bit of that um, in between between reality real and scripted real and in your face um, I, I don't know how to say this where it's just all about um, like sensationalizing people or their personalities yeah, um, it's sort of emotion porn and, 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 sort of right where you know all of a sudden these people have these huge uh, personalities and you're like where the hell did this guy get this big personality from um, I've seen a lot of that lately and actually I'll name a couple that I, I've been thinking about with that there's a show called and I'm going to start naming shows if that's okay Jules Go name it. Um, there's a show called Diggers have you ever heard of this show no I haven't uh, seen Diggers it's these two American yahoos that are they call themselves KG, uh, uh, King George, they call, he calls himself, and the other guys calls himself the Ringmaster, and they're literally the guys that walk around with the metal detectors oh. that you see on the beach. <laughs> yeah. But these two dudes, um, I guess through the show, get contracted to go to historical sites and try to find buried treasures. Uh, no big buried treasures just buried fucking metal shit under the ground (laughs) but these guys act and i'd love to cut in an audio clip of them reacting to their finds because it i don't know if they're borderline autistic (laughs) or if they are serious but the way they react about finding a dime (laughs) like 10 cents in the earth is is like they just found King Tut's tomb. I'm out in the front yard, kind of off to the side of the ivy, and all of a sudden I get this massive hit. Ah, this could be it. This could be the gold right here. Gold. But get down, start digging around, roll some dirt out of the hole. On Confederate gold. Stick the pinpointer in there. It's going off. Start cleaning off the item in the bottom of the hole. And I can't believe my eyes. Oh, I know what it is! <laughs> I can't believe it! I know exactly what it is! <laughs> yeah! I found the greatest thing ever! Woo! <laughs> Awesomeness! <laughs> Ringy, you 
this. Come on over. Feast your eyes on the nectar. Ah, look. Look at... Ray, you are not going to believe what I have in this hole. I don't it even want to know. It is something that you and I have been after for our whole careers. Look at, look at this. Look at this. Is it a gun? Not a gun. Oh! Sword handle! <laughs> and there ah, is no way! Look at that! The whole sword could be right here. You're right, yeah, it could. Get it out of there. Oh, it's moving. Oh, there's no blade on it. Oh, that is awesome. Let me see it. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> You know what? This is an awesome achievement for me because Ringy, he's always talking about finding bejeweled sword handles or any kind of a sword for that matter. But I beat him at his own game. I have an awesome old sword handle. And in Georgia on Sherman's March for a week. And look at this. I have something on the table that I think is the greatest. I found a sword handle. What do you think of that? Mike, what do you think? This is a really cool handle to a frying pan. It turns out what I thought was a handle of a Civil War era saber was just an old metal frying pan handle. It's a tough flow, but I've got another ace in the hole. <laughs> I mean, these guys explode with, like, jubilantly explode that they found something running around in the grass. Yes! Yes! <laughs> because they found a 10 cent piece. It's so over the top. And I, I, I stopped watching the show because it felt like laughing at retarded people. <laughs> and I know you're not supposed to use the word retarded, but that's what it felt like. And I, I just couldn't watch it anymore just based on that. Um, but there's other shows. Um, quite recently, and it's a good show. It's on the Animal Planet of all shows. It's um, Treehouse Masters, which is a guy named um, Nelson. In he's from Washington State, just south of us, and he builds tree houses. He builds really cool tree houses. Oh, cool! I like it. So they get him traveling all over the country, building these like two thousand square foot tree yeah. houses. Um, but his personality is just so over the top <laughs> when he's talking about these things, and he's just like crazy and super excited and oh, they're just going to be the best and uh, uh, to me it, it seems it makes it seem phony I guess is, is one of the main things it makes me feel a little bit manipulated uh, as well by the show that's I mean, interesting in terms of style too. I mean, uh, here in Australia, we also get quite—I don't know if you do—quite um, quite a lot of the UK shows. And I'm reminded you were talking about the the diggers. There's um, uh, one UK show which the name escapes me, which is basically archaeological digs, uh, where that you know some farmer rings them up and says, you know, there's a strange mound in the field. And and they go and excavate. Say it like a farmer would say it, though. Say it like a like a like a Yorkshire Australian farmer. farmer. Oh, an Australian farmer uh -huh. go fucking something yeah. in the paddock. <laughs> Actually, an Australian farmer would just dig it up and put it on eBay. Um, <laughs> but you know they have so they have these actual people from a university come and, and excavate, um, and in a, in typical English style, like they'll uncover some amazing mosaic from the middle of a Roman sauna and they'll be like, whoa, this is interesting. 
very very low key and there's another one which I do enjoy watching called Grand Designs just because you uh-huh. mentioned the treehouse and he goes around with people who have these uh, incredible and wild um, designs to build a house so it'll be building a house on a boat or you know building something that they want is going to be covered in mirrors and merge into the forest or whatever and again it's it's um very different in terms of style it's very low key um they do follow these people it's basically i think you can tell is generally uh, unscripted because a lot of it is just standing around waiting for tradespeople to arrive um but uh, I think it's interesting how there's like a, a style thing evolves in certain of these genres as well. And you can see it if you look at, say, the similarity between the, the TV talent shows or the cooking shows. You know, there'll be a certain, you know, they'll have a certain style of host and they'll have a certain, um, you know, style of guest or, or person they're looking at as well. It's funny that you mentioned those those two English shows because I know the ones that you're talking about and I, I find them very good shows. Grand Designs is fantastic. Um, and then the other one, I agree, I, I can't remember what it's called. History something? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's digging, with a, an, older, an older bloke. And, yeah, Digging Up History or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, both great shows. And there seems to be this thing about English reality shows that I like much better than the american ones then again though they do they do go the full gamut i mean there are those ones which are sort of i suppose almost uh, you're more upper middle class faux intellectual type serious but they do go the the whole gamut of um of reality and um there we we might play we're going to play during this uh this broadcast a bit of a game of is it is it a reality TV show or is it just reality? <laughs> I tell you, it's an English one that we actually watch at work for work for work reasons, and we we often get together and watch it. I don't know if either of you have seen called Gogglebox. Google. Yes, yes, I was going to mention Gogglebox. that. Yes. Isn't that fantastic? Where you, we're actually watching people watch TV, which is like, okay, that sounds so ridiculous, um, but their reactions to what they're watching is is so wonderful and, and their commentary on what they're watching. It's like, it's like what we all do at home when we're watching television and we're yelling at the TV on our own in the lounge room, but this is actually watching those people <laughs> watch TV. And for, right. you know, we watch it from a, you know, I'm a promo producer, so we watch it from, oh, what are they connecting to in, in this show? You know, what characters are they, how are they connecting? What's What's really... Um, capturing them and making them tune in each week so it's actually kind of a good tool for people who work in tv but it's it's that's a pretty entertaining show for a show about people watching television <laughs> right which should be terrible it should be like the butt of every producer's joke well, let's what if there's a show where it's people yeah. watching shows yeah. i mean that it should be laughable but it's so entertaining <laughs> it is. it's so funny and the different people the different walks of life and how they react to the news it's uh, i saw casting for a canadian version of that just recently um really really funny have you seen that jules no i haven't yet i know you recommended it and i'll take you both on your word and yeah. give it a look it's a lot of fun and you're and, and it is good because there's very different characters you have a posh couple and you have you know like an older couple and families and and how they all react to things is is very differently but uh, very differently but they're they're a lot of fun it's a good fun it, show to watch and you're right in their life i mean it's a very personal 
expose on, on these people, how they're watching their TV, whether they're picking their nose or farting or whatever they're doing while they're watching TV. It, it really carries forward. So I, I believe I know it's on YouTube. So people just Google search Gogglebox. Uh, you'll find episodes. Quite funny. Mm. So, Amy, what is it you love about Survivor? Or who is it you love about well, Survivor? I do, I do. I am kind of partial to Jeff Probst. Um, who he, was, I, he was the host who has been the host the, for the since day one, and I think he's an now. Ex- is he the host with the most? I definitely, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh, <laughs> he, um, is it the blue shirts? Is it the dimples? The dimples are, are pretty epic, um, and it, I, I kind of like his little shell necklaces that he changes out every every season. He always has a different little pendant necklace to go with his blue shirt. Um, I. I love Survivor. I think it's very well cast. I mean, there's some seasons where it's not as well cast as others, but I think in general they're they're very clever with their casting and um, keeping the characters on the show interesting. There's ones that you really, really loathe and ones that you really... And you know you're being manipulated to do that, but that's part of the fun, and ones that you really like and you're rooting for. And I think it's also good that they've tried to keep it fresh with bringing in new um, twists each each season, new formats, whether it's family versus family or whether it's, um, which is the next season 29 will be blood versus water again, which they had a lot of success in in season 27. Um, Or whether they bring in an island where they ship people off to, to to live on their own until they can fight their way off with like Exile Island. And and I I think that's um, very smart that they they continually change it up and they even change it up within the game. If they can see that the game is getting a bit dull or one team is losing everybody, they can change it up within the game structure while they're watching it. And you can sort of tell that they're doing a lot of that kind of thing on the run almost. So they did have one season where they ended up with one person on their team all on their <laughs> own. Everybody else had been voted off the island. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's like this little tiny um, pocket community that, that develops with, you know, leaders and followers and people trying to... Um, antagonize everybody and people just following along and it's like a a very interesting little social experiment I think in putting these people into a very extreme situation and making them fight for a million bucks of which they don't get the whole thing because they get taxed (laughs) (laughs) yeah look I have to say I've I've been a, a do you watch Survivor Ryan? you know I watched the first season of Survivor all of it and I haven't seen a single episode since then it, um, it's one that I've, I've certainly stuck with as well. And I think one of the interests is for me, and um, Amy and I were talking before about, oh, you know, the, the World Cup and also how you watch sports things and you be, can become an expert with a sport yeah. that you've, you've never seen before. You know, it happens particularly around the Olympics. And I think the thing that shifted in Survivor over the years for the audience is having seen the basic same format so many times is that you become engaged as a viewer as to how you would play. So what alliances would you form? Who would you be voting out? So the viewer has, in a way, become more active in that. Um, It's obviously a very different show than when it started because everyone who now goes on Survivor has had 
you know, more than 20 seasons to watch. So, though, though sometimes you wonder if they've ever watched it. <laughs> and that is like, I, I, the amount of times I yell at my television, don't you watch this show, my gosh, because they do something so stupid. Which keeps it, also yeah, keeps it um, really fun. Uh, new and I think also highlights the fact that, you know, these people are in a, um, you know, an extreme situation that pushes them um, to do things that you you know they wouldn't do if they're like us if we're sitting home watching it on, on TV and I think that's the interesting side talking about manipulating the people in the game and of course I think there's a whole other side to talk about with the ethics of these shows um, you know people do consent obviously to be on these shows but time and again even though we've had now decades of reality TV people get upset because they have been their footage has been edited to portray them as the villain or weak or, or whatever. Um, even on the Australian version of MasterChef, um, recently there's you know there's been some ex-contestants talking about that and also talking about the fact of and I couldn't believe this when I found out a while ago. Even on MasterChef, they lock these people in a house for three months with no contact with the outside world. So that when they are in the cooking situation, everyone's emotions are heightened, which is why everyone cries at the drop of a hat, right. um, and they're more—they're already more stressed. And I think you're, you're doing stuff to people behind the scenes that then bring out what people want to see on screen, which is heightened emotion. And it's interesting, though. Uh, you know, again and again, you think sometimes. Why do people sign up to be on these things? Because you must have known going in, you weren't going to be the hero of the piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it baffles me uh, why people want to do them, totally. <laughs> me too. I mean, I guess the million dollars, but it's such a long shot. Oh. I don't know why you would bother. And, and there's a lot of shows where it's not a million dollars. So, for instance, okay, so we're on Survivor, so we can go one of two ways here, girls. We can go down the um, game way where it's a competition or we can go down the survivalist way which way do you want to go to talk about our next show uh let's go survivalist so survivalist i guess the closest one to survivor is naked and afraid you Yay! Have that show? i've watched naked and afraid amy's looking yeah. I have amy's not. looking concerned i'm like what is that show yeah. it's uh should be tell <laughs> us about naked and afraid ryan and we're not just talking about naked last week's pod podcast <laughs> Naked and Afraid is a discover. It's on Discovery Channel here. It's a reality show where they take two contestants, a male and a female, and they put them into a place. So the Sahara Desert or the jungles of uh, South America or wherever. Terrible place. They strip them of all their clothes. They're allowed to bring one item, and they have to survive for 21 days. So they meet up at a rendezvous they've never met before. They're completely nude. Hi, I'm so-and-so, and, -so and uh, let's go survive. And basically, they have little cameras. There's a camera crew that follows them around, and they have to try and survive for 21 days. So there's a lot of people starving to death. Well, not to death, <laughs> but, I mean, eventually they'll die. Um, there's people just looking for water, trying to start a fire, and it's the nudity gets very untitillating quick. Yes. And, you know, obviously on the television they're blurred, but... Within the next few minutes, nobody looks good naked when they're just trying to survive for their life. It's a fascinating. I mean, it takes some of what I love about Survivor and that uh, social interaction. And here you have two people who have to 
you know, working together is really key to how they get on. Um, but the actual survival aspect where, you know, they really have to catch their food and no one's giving them, you know, three-course meals as a reward for doing a puzzle. Um, it's dirty and smelly and, uh, yeah, rough. Yeah, yeah, very rough and, and scary. Like, really, it's not it's not healthy for any of them. None of them come back looking okay. They all lose like 25, 30 pounds. Very, very malnourished. Ooh, I can never say that word. Um, and it's, it's, it's scary. It's, it is scary to watch and it's disturbing. I try not to get too much enjoyment out of it because it is people suffering and I don't think that we as an audience should find enjoyment out of people suffering. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we can find it educational and find it... Um, reassuring maybe but entertaining is it's a little bit weird to in my opinion to find that entertaining I, f I feel like this is a show that the creators came up to over a long drunken lunch and then pitched afterwards not <laughs> believing that it would ever get picked up <laughs> right what if it's like Survivor but they're nude yeah. <laughs> and uh, they may die <laughs> and and look it's it, they do post um, post sort of series interviews as well and I mean that's almost just as interesting a lot of the people form incredibly close bonds mm. over over that time because they are trying to survive together uh, but it, it look it's definitely worth giving a watch as as to the other extreme i mean there are a couple of other survivalist type shows like uh bear grills and survivor man but they're more you know mini instructional and you never fear that they're actually you know they're not left out there naked and afraid about to die yeah the naked part really sucks actually yes. because they don't even have shoes they don't even have feet covering so they're walking through the sahara desert or something and they're burning their feet and stepping on rocks and cutting themselves it's really they should at least give them give them for God's Sneakers. sake, give them shoes. <laughs> Do you think they let them have sunscreen? They'd have to, because they'd have no. to have some no. kind of... No. And they get burned very badly. Yeah. Very, oh, no. very badly. They really, they really are suffering. That's terrible. Why would you go on that show? Why would you watch that show? Yeah. Yes. Why would you go on that show? <laughs> yeah. Would you? Would you um, go on it, Ryan? <laughs> no. God, no. I wouldn't even go to a nude beach, let alone go on a nude uh, survivalist. <laughs> well, see, the nude part I'm fine with. It's the sleeping outside and not having any food and being stuck with one person for 21 days. Mm. Oh, no, that would suck too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not fine with the sunburn at all. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I would be dead within a couple of days with my, with my fair complexion. <laughs> Now, what um, about Survivor Man, Jules? You've watched uh, some Survivor Man recently? Yeah, look, because um, I, I was always a bit of a fan of um, Man vs. Wild with, with Bear Grylls, which I suppose is the more well-known one. Um, Survivor Man's actually... Fake! <coughs> Fake! <laughs> well, Survivor Man's Canadian, isn't he? he? Of course, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a goddamn hero is what he is. Oh, is he now? Does he hold an esteemed place in Canadian culture? <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, I, I mean, he's. I mean, you can. You know already between the two who's the legit and who's the phony. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, Survivor Man. Well, is... I, mean, I shouldn't say phony. I'm sure Bear Girls could last a hell of a lot longer than I could. But <laughs> he, uh, his show isn't quite the same as what Les Les Shroud puts out. 
No, I mean, one of the differences is Survivor Man does actually, is on his own. He doesn't have a camera crew, so he does film it all himself. Um, he does have some GPS device which bleeps out his uh, location every 10 minutes. But mm-hmm. So he usually goes somewhere for a week or so um, and, and then has to has to survive. And, look, that's, that's one of those interesting, uh, you know, how would I do it? type shows um i did laugh uh, you know there's sometimes uh there was one recently he i watched of uh, in the australian outback um mm-hmm. he, he happened to be at one of the few places in the outback where he actually found running water which yep. was convenient but he did wow. uh, he did admit that without that he would have been dead after two days um but the funny thing was he was like, oh, there's a few flies out here, but I'm Canadian and as long as the flies aren't biting me, I don't care about flies. And then 24 hours later, he's like, the flies, I can't bear the flies. They're in my ears and my eyes. Flies, these Australian flies are the worst things ever. So he didn't care about the brown snakes or anything. Um, the flies are pretty bad. He did perpetuate the myth that emus kill people, but what? aside from that... Um, and I did like it. Bear Grylls always runs everywhere, which um, right. annoys me. Seems silly. I just saw too that Bear Grylls has got a show coming out with celebrities. Have you seen the trailers for that? So he's like taking Ben Stiller and Channing Tatum and stuff on adventure wild uh, trips and their new show. Fakers, <laughs> fakers. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing crazy about that. Um, <clears throat> similar to. to Along those lines is a, a show that I just has just started recently. Actually, it's called The Hunt. Have you heard of this? No. Tell and us it's about. Uh, it's an annual hunt on the Kodiak Island in Alaska, where they hunt Kodiak bears. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you follow along with these hunters, different groups of hunters that are trying to kill uh, the bears. Um, it, it's part of. The thing on Kodiak is because it's a small area, and not only because of that, but bears in general, the male bears uh, will often kill all the cubs and the mothers, the sows as well. Um, So left unchecked, they essentially try to destroy their own population by killing all the young cows or the cubs. I can can see the um, biological imperative in uh, stock management of those bears. I don't know if I want to watch it as a TV show, though. Uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, narrated by James Hetfield of Metallica. Um, <laughs> it's, Random. It's scary as hell. Like um, these guys are really, you know, they follow this group of bow hunters who are hunting these bears with bow. They need to get within twenty yards for a decent do, shot. Do any of the hunters get killed? Uh, it, they get pretty scared. There's a lot. Um, I mean, it does happen. Not on the show ugh. this season, but it does happen. That was like I watched because you, you it was on your list, Mountain Men. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Mountain Men because I, I have a bit of a Mountain Men is one of not only mine but my wife's favorite shows. I force her to watch it every week. And it's uh, on the History Channel. And it's about, it follows, a, I think, five different quote-unquote mountain men who live in different parts of America. One of them lives up in Alaska and uh, is a guy named Marty. He's got a big, huge, long beard and long, crazy hair. And he runs a trap line out in uh, Alaska. So he flies his little plane up and he lands it in six months of the year or something. He he lives out there and he runs a trap line. So you sort of follow along with him and 
everything he has to do to get these furs uh, that he traps uh, to make a living. That's how he makes money. Uh, then you follow different mountain men. Uh, you can go down to um, New Mexico. I think it's, uh, New Mexico. There's which one? There's one in, is it Arizona or New Mexico? New Mexico, yeah. There's a little guy down there and he's got a big crazy mustache and <laughs> he works the land. There's, there's um, a lot there's of the hair. There's the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> What's that? There's a lot of hair action in Mountain Men. That's that's right. And it, actually that was part of their advertisements was who had the bigger beard. <laughs> uh, beard, beardiest, and the most bearded. Um, you follow a guy who trains his dogs... Uh, to chase out mountain lions out of farmers' areas, so he he gets his dogs to track these mountain lions. I know, and the first so you, the first time I saw that, one of his dogs got hurt, and I got very upset. But it's re- yeah, it, it was good. But the dog it, the dog was okay. But but I, yeah. I, I I got a bit upset by that. He actually retired that dog now because she got too old. So he, in the last few episodes, he's been training a new lead dog to find out who's going to take her place. Um, you follow a guy down in uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains, Kentucky, who sort of runs his own sort of plantation farm, I guess, tree farm, and, uh, you know, mills his own wood and um, sort of how he sort of survives on the land there. They shoot squirrels and eat squirrels. Very Kentucky. Um, no, no. And then my favorite guy is a guy named Tom Orr, and he's up in Dakotas, I think, and... Uh, He's sort of on the Canadian border, and he's just this little old seven-year-old man who lives with his wife, and he's just the cutest thing you've ever seen. And he hunts with a bow and arrow, and he he tans leather, and uh, he... Uh, Is he the one with the family he, in Florida? He has the family in Florida, right, where he went down, and they're trying to convince him to, to leave there and come down. Which was, which is a fascinating... I mean, a part of the fascination is that these people are living... You know, a lifestyle that very few of us would have any idea about. It's very much living off the land, um, as as opposed to the actual sort of survivalist shows. These guys are living, um, and their wives, who don't get enough credit, I don't think. Um, you know, they're living in. Some of them, I think, are shyer, more shy than the husbands. Yeah, they've just gone like, yeah, let's do this TV show. I'll take care of the money. <laughs> just, you yeah, go out. Basically, I don't want to be on it. I don't yeah. want to be on it. You you go out with your beard and you do it. Um, yeah. But it is it is fascinating in terms of a glimpse at, at uh, you know, it, they could almost be living in, you know, the 19th century, some of them, mm-hmm. uh, aside from mm-hmm. the odd genera- sorry, generator or whatever. But um, that fascinates me. I mean, because it is—it's a different lifestyle, and I like um, the, when that uh, Tom was it who goes to visit his family in Florida. Who uh, it's amazing because you know his his mum was still alive too, who's like ninety or right. something, and yeah. and she's the one who ends up saying, you know, it's okay, dear. I know you like it up there in the mountains. You'll come down when you're ready. Um, it's hard to tell how old some of these guys are because you think they're all um, 85, but it's just because they've had a very hard life. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I find it really entertaining and really I love seeing what they do and how they do things. And I had no idea how to tan a hide. Now I can, I can almost pretend like I know how to tan a hide, um, which is, is cool. And, and they're, they're really interesting, unique, real down-to-earth people, even though they're on TV, which... I like quite a bit, actually. Well, it's I like to see real people. It's certainly a lot more low-key than, as we were talking about, some of the other 
uh, style of shows where there's a lot of what seems to be, I, I want to say faux emotion, but some of it is just people being American, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. That heightened reaction to everything. But these guys are very much uh, just going about their lives and they're quite often quite taciturn and dour and... Um, you can tell that they like talking about what they do because I don't think they get to talk to a lot of people. <laughs> sure, yeah, And absolutely. they're often quite passionate about their life too. Yeah, and, and it's, it seems like a great life, actually. Most of them seem like they have a pretty great life. Um, similar to that show, I, I watched another show, Jules. I don't think you've seen it yet. It's called Yukon Men. No. Which is, you, do like it's watching, very... you do like watching shows about hairy men, don't you, Ryan? Well, I like I like seeing people in difficult situations thriving. Hairy men um, in and Yukon Man is a fine example of that. Basically, it's about men that live in this tiny little town called Tanana, Alaska, which is up near the Arctic Circle. So the show is sort of a, almost about the small town. It follows two or three, uh, three or four of the main players in town. By main players, I mean the guy who runs the 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 facility that keeps the water running um the main fire chief guy and it's sort of about their family what they need to do to prepare for the winter how they live winter is coming it it really is and that is what the entire show is about so even when it's in the summer it's about getting your resources for the winter and and really I, I mean, maybe they get two weeks off a year, and then it's okay. Well, let's start chopping wood and getting meat and get ready because winter's coming. Um, that one's really good too. I, I, I highly suggest it. Called Yukon Men, and uh, it's very interesting to see how what the people up north that we sort of take for granted. I mean, really, where I live, we have nothing to do with up north, so I want to appreciate what they do and what they have to do to survive. And it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think there's those glimpses into other parts of your own country. There's one in Australia which uh, the name escapes me again because I'm slack and didn't do my research. But it was following um, like a travelling court, like as in with a judge uh, who travels around parts of outback Australia um, and looking at how, you know, how the legal system and the judicial system works in places that, you know, don't have that as a full-time thing so they're like yes they they travel around uh dispensing justice if you like and uh you know flying in and flying out of places and again it was uh uh and flying was it in. called the flying judge <laughs> no but it should have been in yeah. fact there was a show of uh, a few years ago it might have been on your network amy the flying doctor yeah, series yeah. So we actually do have a lot of uh, australia is covered yeah. by medical personnel who fly in and fly out and um you know that again is fascinating when you think about you live in this country that's so far away from anywhere that uh you know you have to fly fly people in for those sort of services so mm-hmm. it's always great when you get that glimpse into you know a part of part of the world you you normally wouldn't wouldn't um my favorite show i have to say is um deadliest catch which is about <laughs> crab fishing on the bering sea um, most of my friends find it bizarre why I'm so attached to this show. I've seen every episode of the show at least twice. Um, <laughs> How? It follows, uh, I think it's been going for probably nearly 10 years now. 
and they follow, they go on different boats out in the Bering Sea during a couple of the different crab seasons. So basically the show is people putting crab pots off the boat and pulling them back in. Um, it does, of course, follow, the, to some extent, the people on the boats, although it primarily they're on the boat, so it's not about... They're just sitting on a boat. <laughs> um, but over time, you get to know a bit about their, themselves, their relationships. Um, they've all got drug and alcohol problems um, because, <laughs> well, they do this job where they work for three months and, oh, then, yeah. and, then, they, yeah. and then they've got like 100 grand in their pocket and so right. they go off and live a really fast lifestyle. They're all adrenaline junkies, obviously. Um, What's the deadliest bit? Is it the the the, the, the job that they do? They're often really working. Yeah, yeah, they're often working in. Um, you know, it's arc. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's the most dangerous job in the world. Alaskan king crab fishermen. Yeah, and like the so, job with the most deaths. Yes, um, and there's certainly a lot. You, you know, if you're talking about hard physical labor, it's absolutely you know incredible what they do. But there's been some real. You know, it's again, it's an interesting look at a lifestyle. Um, there was one captain, Phil Harris, who actually died a number of years, a few years ago, um, not directly from the job, although they all chain smoke, and I'm sure that, uh, and whatever, yeah. drug and alcohol issues he had added to that. But he had two yeah. young sons working on the boat, and it was the part of the series that followed him through his illness and then eventually dying um, was one of the most incredible looks at something a lot of us go through uh dealing with that with someone how do you keep your life going when you've got a loved one in hospital um the effect mm. on the family you know do you go back out and go fishing when your dad's in hospital how as these guys do they deal with the emotion of it um you know it was moments like that where you thought that was quite something extraordinary that was that was captured on um on the show about crab fishing uh, I would never. I, I've I, seen quite a few. I mean, I wouldn't say I've seen as many as you have. That's for sure. <laughs> I've seen a couple handful of episodes, and it's always it's always an interesting show to watch. It's uh, it's it's well produced as well. I think narrated by um, Mike Rowe, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's um, they've put a lot over the years, of course, put a lot of effort into trying to make uh, the visuals more exciting. So sometimes there'll be a, a camera that goes down with the crab cage and um, they do a couple of specials, uh, you know, over the years of how they actually film it, which in itself is, is fascinating because they have crews embedded on the, on the ships and um, camera equipment all over the place. But um, that doesn't quite explain my fascination with it. Um, I find it almost there's something about the narration and the repeated nature of what they do that I find sort of quite comforting. It's also something Weird. I I, I, know, I know that I would never, as much as I like going out on boats, I would never like to actually be on one of these boats or do anything they do. Um, but yeah, it, it's more of that documentary style, and I you know I think it shows that sometimes, and with some of these shows we're talking about, there is something important they capture, and there are stories that they're telling. Um, when you compare it to scripted TV, which can be quite homogenous in terms of what it's often presenting us with very middle class lives and, uh, you know, even when they're filled with murder and mayhem, across the board are more homogenous than the lives people really lead. And I think some of these reality shows, no matter how manipulated they are, 
give us a look at people, uh, particularly working class people or poor people or ridiculously rich, stupid people <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and people in rural areas, the sort of things that, you know, no one's making a scripted drama about guys living in the mountain since Grizzly Adams. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, I think they, they serve some good, if you like, in, in that way. Uh, Deadliest Catch is produced by a guy named Tom Beers, I believe. That could be right. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Who also produces one of my favorite shows, which is called Bearing Sea Gold. Yes. Now, I've only watched Um, a couple of episodes of that. That is a fascinating show. So, basically, in, um, in Nome, Alaska, there's a huge gold rush every year where people come out with these homemade dredges. And essentially what a dredge is, if you can imagine it's a, a floating u- utility, essentially a boat that has a big um, sort of like conveyor belt down the middle of it, has a big, huge, long hose that goes down to the, the bottom of the ocean, and it sucks up all the dirt and debris and filters it through this sluice box to filter out it in gold. Because of the way the Bering Sea is, and Nome, Alaska especially is, it stays relatively shallow for a long period, or like a long distance. So you can go a couple miles out, and it's still 30 feet deep. It's not, you know, 3,000 feet deep. So what people do is they take these barges, these dredges, out there, and every year there's a gold rush. Soon as the frost is off, soon as the ice melts, People are there and they're sucking up the bottom of the ocean and they're getting all this gold. And of course now the price of gold is astronomical. It's come down a little bit, but you know, in the last year it was $1,600 an ounce. Um, so these guys were going out and basically putting together whatever money they could put into these rigs and taking a lot of chances and going down all day long and sucking out dirt. Um, so the show Bering Sea Gold, it, it follows Similar to your deadliest catch, it follows about five or six different boats or dredges that are out there, and they're different sizes of operations. You know, one of them might just be a single dude on a small boat, and the other ones could be a huge, you know, platform that's uh, dredging up the bottom. And they sort of tally up the gold at the end of every episode to see you know who's winning and how they're doing. But it really becomes more about the people and their struggle to make a buck. Um, than it is really about the, the technology. Although you learn a lot about the gold process and, and how things are done. I sense that um, you might be building a barge in your backyard at the moment, Ryan. Well, it's funny because they actually say um, they actually say at the end that dredging for gold is extremely dangerous and people die every year doing it and it's not a quick get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, so don't do that, right? Mm. So, so that that put a dampener on your plans. Yeah, just that warning, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, you know what? No, I'm good. Um, um, well, we've talked. The, to... What these guys go through is ridiculous. I, I mean, I wouldn't have anything to do with it. But there's another show. Sorry, Jules, I'm going to just cut you off one sec. There's another show that I watch, and it is called Gold Rush. It used to be called Gold Rush Alaska, but now it's just called Gold Rush. And it's sort of the two gold shows on Discovery Channel, Bering Sea and Gold Rush, which follows a bunch of really inexperienced new miners mining for gold in Alaska. Um, again, in the same vein as the other shows, it follows a group of four different mines, 
how they're going about getting it. You know, one is a group of guys from the States. The other one's a young kid who's just 18 years old, runs his own mind. And really, it's about getting gold out of the ground and, and what they need to do. But really well done shows uh, that focus on the heartache and the pain and the real worldness of it, but aren't afraid to include the production crew in them. And I think that's really important oh, as well. Okay. I know Deadliest Catch does that, where you see the cameraman and maybe no, there's an interaction between the production crew and, and the people. And that's that's all part of it. That's part of the story. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, they've actually done a bit of as I said with Deadliest Catch, some uh, specials over the years, and and in particular reflecting on their role as observer versus, um, you know, being involved, because obviously they often are in situations where they get drawn into it, and certainly the death of, of Phil Harris was one in particular where they, you know, the, the people filming it had known this man for a number of years as well and were very upset and they were also mindful of not wanting to intrude on the family um, but also happens on the boats and I do like the fact that they've actually done some self-reflection on they're pretending that they're not there but they are actually there and, and, and what that means from a production point of view philosophically as much as, as technically which um, you know suggests that they've uh, you know, there's there's a brain behind there that's thinking about things other than just the audience numbers, which I like. Yeah, I like that as well. Now, Ryan, we were going to play a little game. Are we done talking about shows? I have so many more. <laughs> we might have to save some for part two, I think, of, uh, of oh, reality shit. TV. Any honourable mentions you can think of? Honourable mentions. Well, look, I should say I watch MasterChef um, all around the world. So I've watched MasterChef, which started in, <laughs> in the UK. I've watched MasterChef UK, MasterChef Ireland, MasterChef South Africa, Australia, US, Canada, and a couple of episodes of MasterChef Vietnam. Um, you may think this. You may think this is overkill. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm one of my big hobbies, as Amy found out last night, is food. I get very passionate talking about cooking and food and what that tells you about a culture. And so watching the same franchise played out in different countries really tells you a lot uh, about that country, certainly about its food and its influences, like the UK version. You see still how tied to, you know, French cuisine as as the... Uh, the or originator and, and still the gold standard of food if you like although that's shifted somewhat in recent decades um, you see the local you know influences of the type of ingredients as, and cultures that that happen as well as the broader cultural things so that the u.s version very much more game show focused very much more um let's set up the goodies and the baddies the australian versions turned into some sort of um, self-improvement show where you everyone loves each other and mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they talk about finding their soul through food um, <laughs> but that that's uh, similar with I watched um, I've watched so, so you think you can dance in a few different countries and again I, I, I like watching that sort of show in different cultures because I think you get one the, they are showing you real people so um, you're seeing something for example, again, on Australian television, which is, you know, whiter and more middle class than the driven snow, um, reality TV is the only place you get to see older people, people who aren't white, people who are queer. Right. Um, right. So that's, you know, seeing that in different countries is, is good. Um, 
but yeah i'm a big yeah i watch a lot of food shows except chopped for some reason i don't like chopped the only the closest i come to watching a food show is anthony bourdain no yeah. reservations or, or rather um whatever it's called now um, yeah, no, no, no country for anthony bourdain parts unknown yeah. parts unknown yes yes no i do i both enjoy his tv and his um uh and his books as well um there's another one which just to go more to the documentary style which was done by I think they've done three now. It was Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman who did um, The Long Way Round, which was them mm -hmm. riding on motorbikes from the UK to the US, and then they did another one riding on bikes from mm. the UK down through Africa. The Long Way Down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Charlie did one on his own as well. It, yes. Um, they, again, more documentary style in that they, were, they had a cameraman or two with them, but they were filming themselves. Um, absolutely fascinating. They're great too because it was really fascinating for the Africa one, the one, the long way down mm -hmm. where they went. They went through like some of the Middle East and yeah, the the kind of training that they had to do beforehand, which was like and through Africa areas of Africa, the safety training so that they didn't get kidnapped or yeah. and held ransom and you know what to do at the border crossings and yeah. what not to do. Which um, mm -hmm. they had people helping them get through border crossings and things like that too in, in the actual. Um, places that they got mm. to. They have you have seen those, someone. Ryan? They're very good. I have, and they're they're amazing. I mean, they're must they're must watch. Really, all both of those series, the two, anyways. Um, what makes them so special? Like, I, I agree, they're fantastic. I mean, um, is it the the guys? Is it how it was made? I think the editing. A, I think is a for me. There's a combination. I mean, I think it's. I think the relationship between Charlie and Ewan is fascinating to watch in and of itself. Um, I think the, the the magnitude of the trip they take on, but but you also get the sense. I mean, they stumble into situations, or stumble's not the right word, but it's like anyone who's travelling. Um, you meet people that, uh, you know. I remember there's one in Uzbekistan or somewhere where they meet this guy who they're convinced they meet him late at night and they're convinced he's he's going to murder them and he's a local you know drug lord or something who just turns out to be this guy with a big flashy house who puts them up for the night and you know wants to sit around and get drunk on vodka and sing lots of songs and uh, the, the it, one where they were driving down a road and there was a great big sign for them to come in for a cup of tea yeah. they knew they were coming and so they popped into these people's house and had a cup or I thought that was fantastic so, that was great yeah. yeah so for me there's something that captures what I love about traveling and as well, you know, I think the added uh, challenges and, you know, when the bikes break down and uh, uh, when Charlie and Ewan have, have words with each other mm. or don't. I mean, there's a, there's a strong bromance there that, that, that's mm -hmm. fascinating to watch. Is Ewan McGregor the coolest guy in the world? Yes. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> speaking of coolest guy in the world, I do want to take the time to give an honorable mention to a uh, reality show that apparently we both watch called King of the Nerds. Yes, yes. We what is that, Jules? Oh, look, King of the Nerds is by uh, is a show by uh, the King of the Nerds himself, Booger Curtis Armstrong, which I think, and it's just been renewed for the third season. Yeah, They're casting for the third season. Yes, they finally got the word that they will be on the air. They got the word to do casting a few months ago after radio silence after the second season. 
Um, you know, the network made all their announcements on shows that were picked up and they didn't name King what, of the Nerds. What and, network is it on over there? Is it Screens? I think on... I think it's on 10 here. Um, in Canada, it's on Slice. And on the US, I think it's... T- I want to say TNN. I haven't even heard of that. TBS. Sorry, TBS. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's so funny. Um, and on Canada, it's on Slice Network. Um, so, basically... Well, sorry, Jules. Finish telling us what it's about. Oh, Please. well, it, it, I, I suppose at its basis, it's like a game show with nerds, but it's... it's um, so, they cast a group of how many? 16 something I think 16 yeah something like 16 uh generally youngish men and women who are nerds of different flavors and varieties um and then they go you know basically they go through a series of tests over challenges. challenges over the weeks and and someone ends up being crowned king of the nerds and they stay in like a <laughs> they stay in a nerd person. mansion yeah. <laughs> nerdvana yes um, and it's, um, it's really sweet and, and fun in almost a, um innocent way. Is that a good word for mm, it? A celebratory way. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not putting nerds down. It's not making fun of them or, or uh, making them seem like something to be mocked. It's really a celebration of nerdiness and um, really proving who, you know, who, who can be the nerdiest. Uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. They have some great contests and games. Um, the interaction between the kids is always really good, especially if you've seen the last season. It was like, oh, my God, what's going on here? It almost felt like it was getting out of control for a while. Um, they've got really cool stuff. Like one of the, the contests last year was to fly on a broomstick and chuck in grenades in sort of Quidditch style. Yeah. Um, or knock down a, a house with a cannon, uh, a la Angry Birds style. So some really cool, unique stuff. And uh, it's going to come back for its third season. And that's why I wanted to mention it, because I really know that our listeners are, for all intents and purposes, nerds. And uh, it's something they would really like. And I think if we can get more people on board, uh, it can be really successful. Because it should be. It's a fun, it's a fun show. Yes, and, and and it's it's good-hearted, and Curtis is wonderful, um, and yeah, I'm I'm a recent convert to it, and it is as I said, it is on Australian television, um, uh, as well. So if you're in Australia, you can actually watch it on the television. Mm-hmm. Does Amy watch it? I have watched a couple of episodes. Yeah, I have. I don't watch it regularly, but I've I've recorded a couple of episodes and um, watched them. Yeah, so I have seen it. Amy, do you have any shows that you want to shout out? Honorable mention. Um, honorable mention. I um, I do, and like I said, I do really like Auction Hunters. And even though, as you say, they're huge personalities, and 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 they even are kind of even honest enough at the top to tell you that they're not actually finding those things every single week. It's like a a culmination of their best finds in an episode where I guess they place them I don't know how it works but (laughs) but they've got like a little thing at the beginning but I I do enjoy that I haven't watched any of the storage wars or any of those other kind of of shows Um, I did try toy hunter um, which was on our network 
and I was like, oh, that'll be fun. And it was it was a little lame to be honest because like he'd find these things that were really cool, and you go, and then he'd go, oh, I can't believe you know I'm I bought that for fifteen dollars and I sold it for twenty. I made a profit of five dollars. And like, what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's it's cool that little Superman thing, but whatever. You're never gonna make money doing that. But I do like the auction hunters, and I think because I kind of it's like a bit of a man cave show, and I kind of like that. They find everything they find is it's super blokey, and everything they find is stupidly blokey, you know. And they go out and shoot big guns or old guns they find old cult cults you know from the wild west and go out and they shoot them and then they, <laughs> you know they find quad bikes and go out and drive them and it was really kind of a real guys guys show and I, I just sort of enjoy that aspect of it it's a lot of fun so that that one I have you I do I've actually did you ever watch um what was the other show um uh, American Pickers I I you know what I think I have seen a couple of episodes of American Pickers as well um, is that the one? What's the one where they? There's one that I saw as well where they buy cars and do up cars. I don't know what that one's called, but yeah, the there's another one called. I, I have it on my list called Counting Cars. Is that it? Oh, it might have been that. It's, there's yeah, there was, and I saw a couple of episodes of that and thought that was kind of fun. Um, there's a cool one called ripping. Fast and Loud as well where they do cars. They were super ripping people off, which made me really sad. <laughs> they go, oh, this thing's worth like forty grand. And this guy would go, I want 40 grand for it. And they go, mm, it's worth 20. And then oh, I'll take 20. You go, dude, that's so mean. So I used to really yeah. upset. I feel really bad for the people. But, um, yeah, I do too. Yeah. And I guess I have watched some of the um, animal kind of ones as well, some of the vet shows. And I used to be quite into the um, animal police shows on Animal Planet. They were, they were very... Where the ASPCA go in and... No, um, no, they're too upsetting. They, are, they can be really upsetting, but they have a lot of very good stories come out of them. Um, and we've had a few here, like the ASPCA shows that we've had here. And there's um, Bondi Vesh. Is Bondi Vesh. Bondi Vesh, uh, Ryan, is, is a half-hour show about a, a vet clinic uh, near Bondi Beach in Sydney. With a very uh. handsome vet. Yes, Dr. Chris Brown, who's got movie star good looks. That's and, and it actually was a, not a spin-off, but there's a show called uh, Bondi Beach. Is it called Bondi uh, Beach? Which I've seen many episodes of, and I really liked. Yeah, so which is set for for listeners uh, on Bondi Beach with the lifesavers, and yeah. I think Chris Brown Bondi Rescue. From Bondi Rescue, yeah. that's right. Chris Brown, the vet, turned up one day randomly to save a penguin or something and um, ended up getting his own series because he's really hot and very personable. Yeah. Right. Um, Which is so similar to the Pawn Stars and all the spin-offs they've had. You've seen this, right? Yeah. I know. I've so Pawn Stars... I've been to the Pawn Stars um, porn place in... Did you? In yeah. Vegas. I had a friend. I was in, in Vegas with an American friend and she was like, oh, we've got to go to the Pawn Stars porn shop. And I, I'd never heard of the show. I was like, okay, so... I went and it was I think it was before that it got really famous it was like very early on and so I went with her and there was like a red carpet outside and you had to queue and bounces <laughs> at the door and they let you in. and when you go in it's just a porn store a porn shop and yeah. like, a porn shop what the hell 
but all the guys were in there, so yeah. she was really excited. And they were, you know, working. But yeah, you literally had to queue everybody. There was a huge queue to get inside this pawn shop. Oh, that reminds me of another Ugh. another genre I am very fond of is the uh, tattoo reality oh, shows. Oh, actually, actually, yeah, I watched all the Miami Inks. I was religious about that. And um, of course, now there's game shows with Ink Master, yeah. um, and yes, they're if you like tattoos, they're very very fascinating tattoos to watch. After dark, I have a tattoo. I'll see your tattoos, tattoos and I'll raise you one. There was a show I used to watch about taxidermy. <laughs> That I quite liked. I think it was called Stuffed in Alaska or something like that. <laughs> All right. Um, should we what, move what, on? Speaking of ridiculous, should we move on to ridiculous? Uh, ridiculous or reality TV? Uh-huh. Why don't you start us off, Ryan? So how about I give you... Do you want me to name them and you tell me if they're real or not? Sure. Or you can tell us what they're about right. or... All right, I'll tell you this one. How about Sunset Days, a series about seniors living in a luxury Arizona retirement complex, dubbed the Geriatric Jersey Shore. Sounds real. Amy? Tragically, I feel like it sounds real. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. (laughs) You got it. Okay, Uh, how about you, Jules? I'll I'll give you one. Okay. Two people, a couple, have sex in a box on a stage and then come out and talk about it. <laughs> it's real and it's called Sex Box. <laughs> it is, and it's coming to Australia, which is really disturbing. That's a UK Lucky you. That's a UK series. Yes, Sex Box. That's one of those they what? <laughs> yeah. And it's generally okay. quite unsexy. Uh, next one. How about Whisker Wars, a show about competitive facial hair growing? That's true. Oh my God. Um, true. <laughs> it's true. It is a show <laughs> called Whisker Wars. Um, okay. Birth Night Live. Videos of actual women giving birth in a hospital as it happens. That sounds like a real show. I don't know about the title, but it sounds real. No, it is actually a real show, and it is called Birth Night Live. It's a UK production. It's a terrible name. (laughs) Terrible name. Oh, my God, that's creepy. (laughs) Uh, Okay, how about... Make My Pet Famous, a series about people who want to get their household pets into TVs and movies. Oh, that has to be true. I would totally do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lola's trying Um, to get on our podcast every week, so... Yeah. Sounds true. Uh, That one is made up. I made that one up. Sounds good, doesn't it? If anyone from Stars is listening, you need to get onto this. (laughs) There you go. Pets and reality TV. It's just an underexploited area. Here's a good one. Uh, It's a reality show where they put people into an environment which is like Guantanamo Bay. And so it's like Big Brother but with waterboarding. Um, So the people are prisoners essentially? Yes. That doesn't sound good. I don't like the sounds of that. I'm going to say no. 
No, another UK series called Guantanamo Guidebook. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Yes. This is, what this are is, these people doing? I know. This is the other end of, uh, of reality TV from the UK. They've had some really bizarro ones. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any more here. Uh, I don't have any more other than just, just some of the other bizarro ones. Um, uh-huh. Do you get embarrassing bodies over there on the TV? Not I've heard of that, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's where people who have usually some uh, disease or disfigurement of usually parts that are covered up in day-to-day life, Um, you know, boils on your bottom and those sort of things, go to the doctor and we get to see them. Um, Really popular. That's just, it boggles my mind. Like, (laughs) people are too ashamed to even go to the doctor, but they're like, Right, but we'll put it on the telly, so... Sure. You know. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, no, that's fine then. It's yeah. it's amazing. Um, there's a rather disturbing animal hoarder, which mm, is uh, exactly what it sounds like. Um, my, stra- my Strange Addiction. That one's really interesting. That was We'd, the lady who ate her lounge. Yes, a lot of eating of strange... Strange... Yes. She ate her whole lounge. Um... What was the other one? I found out about the whole world of preppers. Do you know about right? Which I, you know, yeah, people again, that are preparing uh, for the end of the world. Yeah, very American phenomenon, and and I I first thought it must have been something to do with people at prep school or something, but oh. no, these are people who, uh, and there's a few of those shows now who are out um, in the back block somewhere, you know, stockpiling spam and baked beans, and with lots of automatic weapons, convince the governments about to either, you know come and take everything away or we're on the verge of a zombie apocalypse or something. Oh, zombie apocalypse I can understand preparing for. Uh, Notably, not usually good facial hair and preppers. (laughs) They should take a note from Mountain Men. Well, yeah, I think it says something about their damaged masculinity that, you know, they can't grow a good beard. (laughs) Right. Although that also gets a bit weird because they've often got families and you just think... This you shouldn't be doing this to your children. Um, no, true. <laughs> so, if we got anything else to say about reality TV, obviously we could talk about this for a long time. I think, Ryan. Oh, I still have tons of shows I haven't talked about. Yeah, Amish um, Mafia. That's a good one. Which one? Amish Mafia. Oh my God! You could even spend a whole hour talking about the Amish shows. Yes. For goodness' sake. That's be that's become way a... too many. Yeah, there's become a subgenre of its own, and we haven't touched on any of the obviously because we don't watch them. The Real Housewife and the Kardashian type nope. shows. Yeah, I won't watch any show that's usually got negative things. So if it's like the Hoarders or things like yeah. that, things where it's negative or or bad. Yeah. And I won't watch stuff that's just glamorizing people like Being the Kardashians stupid. or the families are the ones I just try to stay away from those and no no interest have you ever seen four rooms no what happens that might be something you'd be interested in Amy that kind of reminds me of Gogglebox for some reason and I'm not sure why but it's about people that want to sell an item a fancy item they get to go to the show and there's four collectors or fancy you know whether they're interior designers or art 
historians or something, and they each go into four rooms, and this person can visit each room and try to sell the object. And if they make the deal, great, but if they turn down the offer, they can never go back to the previous room. So it's kind of interesting to see them interact with the art dealers and yeah. And what deal do you do? Barter in a price. Do you hang out? And there's a British deal? version and a Canadian version. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. th there's so one, look for an Australian one. One show that's not on here anymore, which I really liked, which I'd like to see more of, was The Collectors. Um, and so they visited people who collected stuff. <laughs> oh. um, and it was, you know, it could be anything from, you know, Star Wars figurines to antique crochet doilies to cars or whatever. And and that was fascinating because I love, I love hearing people who are passionate about what they do talk about it. And so it was a glimpse into, you know, the microcosm of collecting one thing. Um, so that that was one I, I really liked. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we might have on in Australia that are uniquely Australian, but I can't can't think of any. I mean, we have the run of the mill competitive farmer wants a wife has been pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So those dating, and I believe we've got the Australian Bachelor now. So you know, yeah. we're we're aiming for the high end here in Australia. I, I, the Canadian ones, I can't really think. I know we had one called Highway to Hell, which was uh, the highway up through the mountains, and when it gets snowy, how bad bad it gets. Okay, that might have um, been a bit like Ice Truckers. Cause that was it's similar to Ice Road Truckers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite all-time shows, and you'll hear me talk about it, was uh, a show called Top Shot, and that was competitive uh, shooting. Okay. Like, uh, uh, like with guns, different kinds of guns and stuff. It was like a contest. Uh, really good. And then there's the whole genre of uh, the Japan, generally Japanese sort of game shows, which particularly I like the um, the physical ones where they, you know, people have to go through like this really extreme, bizarre obstacle course. Um, they're really fun. And right. We had one of those too. Yeah, no, the, these are a whole other level of sophistication beyond that. Yeah, no, they're the, these. If you get sounds think, very sophisticated. It was very sophisticated, and um, uh, yes, the Japanese are very good at those those sort of game show things. They also yeah. do those bizarre ones where they do hurt people. Actually, yeah. actually, um, but these were just ones where you had they, they were physical uh, strength type right. oh, okay. uh, or agility type um, courses. Uh, and you can catch those right. on very yeah, and um, SBS two or something oh, yeah. weird like that. So that, I think, oh, I don't know if it counts as reality TV. Mythbusters, oh. is that reality? Yeah, TV? yeah, yeah. That's reality yeah. TV. I was just I had a little Mythbusters marathon yesterday. I've, I've been a long time fan of Mythbusters, yeah, and that br yeah. brings yeah. that nerdiness together with um, with shit blowing up. Yeah. And an Australian-based production. Is it? What? Yeah, their whole production is actually based oh, out of Australia. That's right. I read something recently because they, they've they changed or they're changing it and it was talking about the impact on the Australian part of the company and I was like, what? had no idea. No, I had no idea. Yeah, it was a, originally an Australian company that put the whole thing together, yeah. There you go. We're clever behind the scenes. Right, there we are, isn't it? And it's an Australian company who does all the nipple pixelating on Naked and Afraid. 
Is it? No, I made that up. <laughs> yeah, because they wouldn't cover it up. You know better. Right? I thought it might have been your part-time job, Ryan. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I could do, but uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I imagine it's it's quite time-consuming and rather boring after a while. It would be boring. Probably, I would think so. All right, Jules, is that it? Have we have we covered every single possible reality show that's out there? Yes. Well, for for people who don't like reality TV so much, I think we had a lot to say. I could probably talk about it a lot longer because I could talk through every episode of Deadliest Catch and every season of Survivor. Uh, we might have to dip back in when Sexbox starts on Australian television or not. Oh my God, I hope not. <laughs> Sexbox. I think it's on Network 10, which probably yeah. says something about the state the network's in at the moment. Um, but yes, there's... Um, Many, I mean, it's become. It was heralded at one point as it was going to be the death of you know scripted drama on TV, and we certainly haven't seen that. But the reality, you know, genre in all its forms has continued to grow and flourish on yeah. both networks and uh, you know cable stations. The largest, the highest rating TV shows in Australia are locally produced reality. So it's yeah. the Voice, yeah. the Block, Master Chef. House rules, um, renovation shows, and stuff like that. They're, they're by far the biggest rating shows of any shows yep. out there. Locally produced reality shows. Mm. Well, keep them going. That's uh, <laughs> that's supporting. I'd much rather support local things than the Kardashians. I didn't even watch. We did have a Real Housewives of Sydney or Melbourne, but I didn't I see any. Of, I did. No, oh, I was on Foxtel, yeah, wasn't so. That was, yes, good. Yeah, there was a Vancouver one too. Actually, one of the ladies, one of them just got shot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't pay attention. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, not la I'm not laughing at her getting shot, but. Actually, I remember <laughs> reading something about that. She got shot by a drive-by at a service station or something like that. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I reading that. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> she must not have been very good. Um. So I think that's all for this week. What are we talking about next week, Ryan? Next week we will be talking about two new show, shows, uh, called one called Helix and the other one called Hannibal. <laughs> Double H's. It is. Uh, one, uh, one Hannibal just having finished its second season in spectacular style and uh, Helix, which has been renewed for a second season, uh, which was on the Sci-Fi Channel. So we've got... Which means i got a lot of watching to do because I... Uh, I haven't seen any of them to completion, so. Uh, well, uh, if you're going to priori prioritize Hannibal. Mm. All right. I'll, uh, I'll try and prioritize Hannibal. <laughs> because there's never enough cannibalism in anyone's life. Ew, gross. <laughs> but it has if you like this episode of TV Chinwag more than you like eating human flesh, why don't you go on to iTunes and give us a comment and a rating and a review like this person did. Gianna Lyons said, really enjoying this new podcast. I don't watch a lot of TV, so it's great to hear what's out there. Two interesting people with informed views. <gasps> so obviously a comment left on the wrong podcast, Ryan. No, this is the right podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank Absolutely. you to that person for calling us Gianna informed. Lyons. Absolutely. 
And, and if you would like your review read out, please go and, and leave it. Let me know on uh, on at TV Chidway Twitter as well if you do leave one, because I have to switch between America and U.S. and Canada and uh, Britain and Australia to make sure that I can see all the reviews. So let me know where you're reviewing from, and I'll make sure that we get on there and we read it out. I think you could put a bit more effort into the voice next time, Ryan. I, I was expecting some, you know, gravitas and drama in that reading. But if we get lots more, you'll get a lot more practice. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll change it in post. How about that? <laughs> we can always fix it in post. Thank you very much to Amy for being um, part of our reality TV, TV, TV Chimwag Yay. podcast. Yay, Amy, our Yay. very first guest. Thank you for having me. I've had fun. Yes, we're hanging out for brunch and more champagne now, I yes. think. <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. I have to get dressed and head out to go to a concert myself. So Say hello to Dwight Yoakam for us. Awesome. Will do. I will. Thanks, thanks, girls. Thanks so much for, uh, for doing this today. It was a lot of fun. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you liked the podcast, please give us positive reviews on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Beth. Thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.